Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Back here on Oilers Now. If you hear any noise in the background, that's just uh, Kelsey Campbell trying to take a chair out of the studio, but she's having some difficulties with it. Of course, Kelsey was on the show earlier this week. And it's funny, Patrick, a lot of people are reaching out to Chelsea. I just called her Kelsey, saying how much they enjoyed that appearance. So she's like a star now. Well, she already is a star, but in terms of Oilers fans now, they all want her on this show more. So perhaps... Ouch. Ouch to you. Yeah, I don't know. No one actually reached out to me and said, hey, good job. But uh, they all liked what Kelsey was... uh, you know, bring it to the table. Well, I guess that uh, that old adage, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So Yeah, that's fair. Sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. I like your style. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Means a lot. This is the Friday edition of Oilers Now. We're having some fun. Well, we, we always have fun on this show, especially in the summer here. Nothing too serious to talk about, other than the uh, Sakura injury, of course. And we're going to talk to Jonathan Willis about that here in one second from The Athletic. Just wanted to sprinkle in a few quick text messages. I was talking about Vegas earlier, and uh, this texter replied saying you can say that about every team. Well, I mean, I guess, but when it comes to Vegas, it's a little bit different because they were an expansion team last year that ended up going to the Stanley Cup. So I, I have no idea what to expect from them in year two. Did a lot of those players play over their heads? Yes. But, I mean, how much better will those players now be because of it? Like, they went through the playoffs. They know what it takes to win now. Uh, They have good chemistry there. So, I don't know. They they added Paul Statsny. They still have Flurry. So, they could be as good as they were last year. They could drop off. I don't know. I think you have a pretty good idea with some of these teams out there in the league what to expect from them moving forward because you have a bigger sample size, especially with a lot of their players that have been on those teams for numerous seasons. So I just think Vegas is a different animal right now, and I have no idea what to expect from them. Maybe we'll ask uh, Jonathan Willis here what he thinks about uh, Vegas as they head into their second season in the NHL before we get into the Oilers stuff. Jonathan, how are you doing? Doing really well, Brendan. Good to hear, my man. Um, Yeah, did you want to talk about Vegas here quickly? Because I was just saying, I don't know what to expect. I could see them winning the the division again. I could see them, you know, dropping off significantly. Maybe they're a wildcard team. I really have no idea. What do you think about uh, the Golden Knights? I think that's fair. Uh, I think there's two points that I'd make about Vegas. And I I don't want to rain on anyone's parade because they're such a great story last year. 
But the, the first thing I'd point out is that the Pacific Division is really up for grabs. I, I thought it was maybe not historically weak, but it was pretty weak last year. Uh, the Oilers were one of team, one of several teams that didn't play as well as everyone kind of expected. And, and so it might be a little more difficult for Vegas to pick up points within the division this year. And the other thing I'd point out about Vegas is because they're an expansion team, a lot of the players that uh, they're counting on are in that 25, 26-year age range. So last year, they, they kind of had everyone in their prime, and, and I wonder how much room for growth there is, because this isn't a traditional you know build from the ground up where you expect the team to get better and better and better until it, it reaches its peak. It's possible we've already seen you know the, the best version of this Vegas team. But, but then you add someone like Stastny, and, and, and they've had a, pr- a pretty good summer in a lot of ways. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm clearing things up at all, but uh, they're, they're definitely a wild card club to me. Good points. Yeah, yeah, I think I have them as a wild card team if I had to predict, but I don't feel confident uh, in saying that. Before we get to the others, oh, we're, we were just sort of, you know, handicapping the uh, Pacific Division here. So who do you have uh, in the playoffs from the Pacific Division, or is it too uh, early to tell that anything change uh, based on the Sacramento news? I don't know if it changes. It, it certainly lowers Edmonton's uh, possibilities, I think, just because, well, I, I won't get into the, into the why until we, we actually get there. Yeah, we'll save I, the Sacramento stuff. Um, Vancouver, I think, is, is pretty clearly out. I think Arizona's going to be better than they were a year ago, but I, I don't see Arizona making a push for the playoffs. Um, I didn't love Calgary's summer. I, I know they added James Neal, and that's a great add, but I, I thought the Hamilton trade was a step back, so I... I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the coaching change does there because Bill Peters had a really interesting run in Carolina. is very well regarded. But, you know, the, the Hurricanes didn't have a lot of success either. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he can do in Calgary. I kind of have Calgary, Edmonton, Vegas, L.A., and San Jose all sort of in the same tier. I, I don't see a ton of daylight between those five teams. Yeah, it's hard to... Uh to say who's going to come out on top. Um, if you had to pick one of those teams to, to win the division, though, who would it be? Probably LA today, but I, I don't know. Like it, it, it's one of those things where you're you're kind of flipping a coin between teams. Like if if LA doesn't make the playoffs next year and and Edmonton wins the division, I'm I'm not gonna. But like that's totally plausible. Yeah. By the way, I was reading off projections from uh, the sports forecaster earlier in the show, and I actually hadn't looked at the Central Division and said, okay, who do I think is going to make the playoffs? But I look at all seven teams. I'm like, man, all seven of these teams could make the playoffs. It's really tough to break down that division as well. The forecaster has a Nashville, Winnipeg, Colorado as the three teams making it from the division. Then they have Chicago as a wildcard team. Then there's St. Louis, Dallas, and Minnesota. They have Minnesota at seventh after they were a playoff team last year. So, like, But it, it is possible, though, because all seven of those teams could make the playoffs. And then someone needs to miss, too, so I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you look at it in terms of the divisions... It, it's really hard to come away not thinking that, you know, both wild card slots could end up going to Central Division teams. Like we very well might see a five teams from the Central make it and only three from the Pacific. Yeah, I think that's uh, likely. That is something I would likely bet on as well. Um, out of those teams, though, I think now na- everyone will likely have National Winnipeg one two. I don't know if you agree with yeah. that. But yeah. after that, who do you think the next best team in that division is? St. Louis. I like yeah. St. Louis, and I and I think I might even have Minnesota fourth. I'm I'm pretty skeptical on Chicago. I I don't know, like with Corey Crawford's health, it's really hard for me to to know 
what Chicago is going to be able to do. I don't have a ton of confidence in Cam Ward if he ends up having to carry the load there. And I look at what Colorado did last year, and I really like a lot of what Colorado has done managerially, but I also kind of look at them and think that there were guys that were playing over their heads last season, and it wouldn't surprise me if they have a, have a tough time repeating this year. Chatting with Jonathan Willis here from The Athletic. Let's get into uh, some Oiler talk here, and uh, we'll talk about uh, Andre Sekera. Um, I said when it happened that this is a pretty big loss for the Oilers. Now, I do think there is maybe a chance they can overcome this, but at the same time, they don't have anyone that's going to step right in immediately and fill uh, the role that Sekera played. And I know, of course, last year we look at uh, what he did after the injury, and it was he wasn't the same player that he was in sixteen seventeen. But I think the Oilers, based on the moves they made this off season, were sort of banking on him getting back to that player. And now, of course, he is uh, injured again. So if you're Peter Shirelli here now, uh, Jonathan, what would you be looking to do? Because if we look back at last year, they were sort of banking on him coming back, and it, it never worked out. So based on what you know heading into this year, would you try to make a move or would you stay as is? What would you do right now? Yeah, I'd make a move for sure. And I, I know a lot of people will look at Sakura and go, well, you know, he's a third-pairing guy now. He's, he's an older guy. It's not that big of a deal. But the problem with it is that Edmonton has so many ifs on their blue line. Um, going into the summer, I, I actually liked that Edmonton mostly went status quo this summer on, on defense because I thought there was a risk that they were going to overpay and, and when you looked at the players, like, Clefbaum should be healthy, he should be better. Larson should be healthier, he should be better. You know, maybe Darnell Nurse's first half, Darnell Nurse instead of second half, and, and then that's a big boost. Sakura was one of those guys who, was, who should have been better. And, and the situation Edmonton was in was they had so many guys who you could reasonably expect to improve that even if one of them didn't, it wasn't a big deal. And, and the problem with losing Sakura is now one of those guys who you were thinking was a really good bet to improve is gone and if if one of these guys doesn't improve like if, if Clefbaum has a tough year or if if Darnell Nurse takes a step back or, or I mean God forbid Adam Larson doesn't play very well any of those things is a uh, is a major problem now because you just don't have the coverage the insurance that you had with Sekera in place um, it's hard to make a move at this point in the summer I like I it's it's an easier thing to talk about than to do but when I look at the free agent market, there are at least a few guys who could fill sort of that number five, six role and give you a little. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A bit of stability and give you a little bit of insurance in the event that, you know, you have a training camp injury or, or one of your younger players isn't ready to step up. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this. And uh, I've been talking about those ifs all week long here. 
And uh, it seems like now you, you may be asking a little bit more from a guy like Bear or Bouchard, and maybe they aren't ready. So I am with you. I would bring someone else in at least to maybe push those guys down the depth chart, at least if you have someone serviceable. So when you talk about some of those options, Jonathan, who do you like that's out there? I think my favorite guy out there is uh, Jacob Jarabek. I, I I didn't get to see him as much as I would have liked to last year. I saw him play a bit, but he's he's one of those players who didn't really get an opportunity to to play a regular role and who who looked good in flashes. And he's you know it's his first year in North America. He's a guy when I look at he's a bit of a wild card, but he might have the potential to step into the top four for you. Obviously, there are other options out there, but. Um, Mostly we know what they are. Like, we, we know what, like, Brandon Davidson's a good player. We know what he is, though. He's, he's not going to do top four work for you regularly. Uh, we, we know what Tobias Amstrom is. We know what Cody Franzen is. With, with Jarabek, there's, to me, some potential that he could step up and, and deliver more than he did last season. Wow, that's interesting. I never even thought of him. Um, of course, he was traded to Washington last season, and you talked about him not really getting a chance. Well, Kempney stepped in and played so well, and some of the, their yeah. other younger guys, like Juice, started to play well. So that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't really paid that much attention to him as a player, so I don't know a whole lot about him. He played 25 games with Montreal, four points was minus one. Then he played 11 games with uh, Washington in uh, the regular season, and then two playoff games as well. So that's interesting. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I like about him is not that he's going to give you what Sakura did. You can't count on him to do that, but he's a big, high-end, puck-moving offensive defenseman at other levels. So he's going to bring you some ability to, to make you know good outlet passes and, and advance the puck, and he's, he's mobile. So to me, when I look at what Edmonton's defense needs in, in the absence of Sakura, the, the idea of adding somebody mobile and somebody who's a bit of a puck mover is, is a good idea to me. And, and just talking about his time in Montreal... Montreal was in a really weird situation last year where they had a whole bunch of, like, number five, six guys. That, that's how Edmonton got Davidson off waivers, was they just had, like, eight or nine guys, and none of them were really top four, you know, bona fide top four material. And Davidson got lost in the shuffle, and, and I think Jarabek really did, too. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's likely a guy you could easily invite to on a PTO if he doesn't get picked up here ahead of time. So maybe the others will uh, go that route instead of going uh, with Davidson. The other option is uh, Enstrom, I guess, uh, more of a veteran guy. Uh, he was coming off an injury with uh, the Jets in the playoffs last year and didn't play very well. But during the season, he did look pretty good with uh, Bufflin. I'm not sure if Bufflin, you know, sort of carried him throughout the year. But uh, what do you think about Enstrom? Yeah, I, I like Enstrom. Um, I like my my preference is, is a guy like Jarabek, but I, I couldn't. I, I think Enstrom's a really good option too. And and one of the things that Enstrom brings you is is when you look at the Oilers' defense core, they're really like they are getting more experienced. But Enstrom does bring a level of veteran, uh, you know, just time in the league. And and one of the things that I thought the Oilers really missed from Sacro last year when he was out was just sort of that calm been there able to fill multiple roles uh low maintenance presences and and enstrom is maybe the best bet to fill that on the market let me ask you this with uh Sekera, oh would you now play larson and Cloughbaum together i think that's likely going to happen or at least to start but maybe with the Sekera injury that changes would you still play those two together or would you maybe look at uh, splitting those two up i think i'd play them together and uh you know ride him for as many minutes as you can uh there, there's some some argument to split him up but i i don't know that 
you know, if you've got, I, I don't know if you, you see Matt Benning or Chris Russell as being the, the right side guy on the second pair, but I don't know that, say, you know, Clefbaum Benning is a vastly superior pair to a, a nurse bearing Benning pair. So I, I don't think there's a lot of advantage to splitting them up. I'd, I'd run them together and, and hope that those guys can give you 25 minutes a night. Yeah, right now I definitely have Nurse and Benning together to start the season and on the second pair. So we're on the same page there. After that, I don't know, like Bear or Bouchard, um, do one of them, you know, slide into that third role at the start? Or is it sort of, uh, you know, we're just shuffling the third pair in and out game by game, at least to start the season until someone sort of grabs it? Yeah, I, I I really like Bouchard. I really like Bear. Uh, I thought Bear at the end of last season showed some really good things, but I also thought he showed he wasn't ready then. You know, maybe a summer changes that. But realistically, you want a guy like that to show something on the farm first. Then if you, you know, 15 games into the AHL season, he's lighting things up, then you have an option. Uh, Bouchard, historically, guys like him drafted in that range aren't ready to play in the NHL right away. And, and I think the thing with either player is if you keep either of them out of camp, which is a, is a very defensible decision, I, I think I'd lean towards keeping Bouchard out of camp just to see what he can do. But if you do that, maybe one of your options is to run 11 forwards and 7 defensemen and, uh, and play them, pick their spots a little bit more, and then they can give you maybe some zip on the power play and, and fill roles where they can really deliver the goods without running the risk of getting lit up um, just due to inexperience. Chatting with Jonathan Willis here from The Athletic. Let's uh, look at outside the organization if they were to make a trade here, Jonathan. Um, like Peter Shirelli, in my mind, is they all season, or all offseason, they did try to bring in a defenseman, and at least there was lots of speculation about it. Uh, maybe it changed once Bouchard was drafted because they felt feel okay now. We don't need to trade uh, one of our forwards for a defenseman because we have Bouchard coming. So, But now with Sekiro, do you think... He sort of revisits that and starts looking outside the organization for a trade. And if so, is there anyone out there that you think uh, could shake loose, or is it just sort of too late uh, here in the off season to act? Well, normally I think it's too late in the off season. You, you, I th- I, like in, in typical circumstances, I think what would happen is you would call around and do your due diligence, and you would find out that it's too late, and most teams are pretty happy with what they have. But it's been kind of a weird summer and, and pretty slow-moving. Uh, we saw the Jeff Skinner trade at the start of August. And when I look at Carolina, you know, they brought Hamilton in, they've got Brett Pesci, they've got Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and they've got Justin Falk. That's four really good, well, four, you know, full-time NHL right-shot defensemen. And then they've got a full, full crew on the left side as well. So when I look at them, Falk to me just seems like a guy who is going to move before the start of the year. One thing with him, Carolina, we know they're a budget team. I, I think Falk's cap hit is $4.5 million. I don't have it in front of me. And I believe his actual salary is 6 or maybe even a little yeah, bit higher that's than right, six. Yeah. yeah, so to me, that's a situation where somebody could come loose. But, but the problem is, who do you trade? Because you don't really have spare pieces up front that you want to afford to lose. Um, you probably don't want to dip too much into your prospect pool. They've just sort of really started rebuilding that. And uh, then... then you know, what, what do you do? And, and that's what makes it tough. Yeah, his cap is 4.8, but you're right, he makes 6 mil in terms of his actual dollars. So Bob was actually talking about that uh, earlier in the week. I could easily see him getting traded. I just don't know if Edmonton's the team. Like, that's where I'm at with that. But you never know. Well, if, if just just imagining the fit hypothetically, if, if you run Clefbaum Larson as sort of your, your number one all-purpose pair, the idea to me of having Darnell Nurse and, and Falk together 
in a second pairing role. I, I don't mind that because I, I just kind of feel like those guys have, have skill sets that might complement each other. And, and then you'd have, you know, two good options on your third pair. Hmm. What do you think you'd have to give up to get Falk from the Oilers then? Oh, Carolina's a hard team to gauge. Um, they, they obviously play some value in analytics. They're obviously a budget team. And, and Don Waddell has, you know, he had a significant track record in Atlanta that you could kind of handicap, but he's been gone from the game, at least in a hockey operations role. He's obviously still been on the business side. He's, he's so hard to get a read on, and that front office had so much fluctuation this summer. I, I really wouldn't even know what they were looking for beyond the idea that he would obviously be taking more um, money on than you were sending out. Not necessarily in terms of cap hit, but it's certainly in terms of budget. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, should be interesting, though, following uh, the rest of the offseason from another standpoint. I'm sure they'll bring someone in, whether it's on a PTO or via trade, but uh, we just don't really have any clarity uh, at this point. Jonathan, uh, thanks for taking some time here today, and uh, we'll do it again soon. It's always a pleasure, Brendan, and, and I know you were you were um, <laughs> sad at the start of the session, so let me just say, you know, I, I always appreciate the hosting job you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just having some fun. Thanks, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> That's Jonathan Willis from The Athletic, friend of the show, great guy, uh, with some insight there. And he uh, writes a lot of... Uh, pieces for The Athletic. Before, he was writing for like four different uh, places at once. Oilers Nation, I think he was writing for Sportsnet, The Cult of Hockey, but now he is uh, specifically with The Athletic as uh, the lead guy there from an Edmonton standpoint. It's 12.53 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. When we get back, we'll uh, get to some of your text messages. Lots coming in. Uh, Still on Secker, of course. Let me uh, ask this question to Oilers fans. Does the Sekera injury change your opinion on if the Oilers are a playoff team? And this sort of uh, piggybacks into what we'll be discussing here with the uh, editing manager for the sports forecaster at 105. That's Gabriel Ferezny, our Ferezny, and he'll uh, join us to talk about why he thinks the Oilers are a playoff team, despite the magazine saying that the Oilers aren't. So that's ahead, but first a quick timeout. 12.56 in Edmonton, back here on Oilers Now. Brandon Ulrich with you. Patrick helping up behind the glass. Producer Brad, Brad Whisker, producing the show this week as well. Patrick, uh, I just received a text from my friend saying it's uh, really smoky out there right now. And uh, I, I sort of thought it was uh, fading away a bit, but uh, I don't know if you can tell. Maybe Eileen can jump in here and give us some insight uh, on the smoke It doesn't there. seem exceptional to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. It's at 7 right now, which is high risk. And it's supposed to go up to 10 later okay. today. Wow. So, and uh, tonight, 9, and then tomorrow, 5. So we're we're kind of debating, aren't we, the Eskimo game still? Yeah, if it's out of 5, like, what do you do? Yeah, that's considered moderate, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. That's interesting. But yeah, it should sure. be a lot better tomorrow. I know the Eskimos moved their practice into the field house today, right? Yeah, and they Again. had to, uh, yeah, earlier in the week, but they were outside yesterday. So it's a wait and see as uh, we approach game time tomorrow. But thanks for that update there, Eileen. I know you'll have more uh, with the 1 o'clock news as well. Absolutely. Matter of fact, some of that might sound a little familiar. <laughs> see yeah, then. I sort of uh, scooped yeah. you right before your newscast. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Some people just tune in for the news. They don't actually tune in for Oilers now. So That's impossible. <laughs> that's impossible. At well, least during know. these two hours. Some people just like to hear Eileen. They don't like to hear this guy that's filling in for uh, Bob. So 
Ah, you're doing great, Brendan. Thanks. Thanks for the update, Eileen. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk to Morley at 135 if he has any uh, new uh, tidbits uh, from the Eskimos on uh, their approach to Saturday. We do know they put out their depth chart uh, today, and there are some changes on offense. C.J. Gable is out. Shaq Cooper will start. Bryant Mitchell, as well, will start at receiver. What did Terrell Owens say? Get your popcorn ready because I think uh, Brian Mitchell is going to have a big game on Saturday. I'm a big believer in him, and I have been since the start of the season. Just asked Reed Wilkins whenever I would go on with him and talk football. I was like, "There's Bryant Mitchell's just sitting there on the roster, and they aren't using him because of uh, the ratio. They were you know, starting two Canadian receivers, but now that's changing. And hey, Hazleton's back as well this week, but uh, Mitchell will start ahead of him, so... All these weapons, it's hard to fit them all in with the ratio, but it does look like uh, Mitchell will uh, get his opportunity tomorrow. It's 12.58 in Edmonton. We'll take a time out for the 1 o'clock news. When we come back, Gabriel Farnesi, managing editor of the Sports Forecaster. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.